Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. And if you're watching online, welcome to River Rock Fellowship. I'm Pastor Marvin, and we are in a sermon series called The Path. We're in week four of six, and I'm excited to see what God's going to show us today. Will you open up with prayer with me? Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. And Lord, I pray that, Father, even those who are watching online, that they would see and hear, Father, what you want them to see and hear. Father, we just pray, just pour out your spirit on us today. God, give us, Lord, that, uh, that heart that's not callous, but it's pliable, Father, to hear things about the word of God, particularly out of the book of Proverbs. Father, your will, your way, in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Well, in this series, The Path, we've been learning that your direction, not your intentions, determine your destination. It's a bit of a tongue twister. I'm going to have you guys all say along with me. Your direction, your direction not, your intentions, not your intentions, determines, determines your, destination. your destination. I want to give you a little bit of an example of this. If I want to go to Disneyland from Lodi, California, and I get on the I freeway, and I head north. No, stop. I will never get to the happiest place on earth. I can have the Mickey ears. I can have the camera. But my intentions will never get me to Disney. I will end up at the Canadian border. And I will wonder why. I could go faster. I could turn up the radio. And it's never going to help me. Because even if I'm on the right, right path, going in the wrong direction will result in the wrong destination. Well, we understand that when it comes to, you know, navigation. But when it comes to all the other areas of our life, do we actually see that? We seem to think that those things are individual events that have no connection to our ultimate destination in life. More importantly, God's calling in your life. So we don't seem to connect that this principle of the path is all about where I'm going in life. Folks, we are clearly living in the most, one of the most divisive times in our history as a nation. Outside of the Civil War, I'm not sure if there's been another. There's so much hatred being poured out on social media. There's so much emotionally driven speech that the idea of talking civil with another person with a different viewpoint, we are abandoning the idea of conversation from two different opposite points of view. Hatred, extreme anger, it will always cause there to be death and blindness. Remember when you were in a rage? You didn't want to see or hear what the other person had to say. And that's what we're facing now. I don't want to hear the other person's point of view. I just want it my way and I want it now. Being divisive like that, it 
is a path. It's not an event. Hatred and anger and rage will give birth to hatred, anger, and rage. God says love conquers all. God says he is love. What do we need in a time of division? We need God. We need the will and the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He is love. Because our direction, not our intentions, determines our destination. Now, as we get into this sermon, here's a thought to consider. One of the most difficult things in life is to notice, is to know that which you do not know. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. Have you ever not, how many have had, had experience about that? I don't know what I don't know. How did I know not to do that? If I didn't know, but you still get the ticket. Well, let me give you a couple examples of this from my own life. And, and I'm talking, let's say, the Word of God from examples. When I first got saved, you know, I was raised in, the, in, in, in a Christian home. But when I really got saved, and it was like me now. Not mom and dad's Jesus. It, it was Marvin's Jesus. Went to my very first Bible study. And, the, and they said, go, and the teacher goes, go to 1 um, Corinthians. First Corinthians, okay. And I mean, I spent like five minutes and I'm like making loud noises. I'm not embarrassed. I'm going to find this thing. After five minutes, I was so excited. I found it. And the person said to me, no, that's First Chronicles. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. But how was I to know what I didn't know? And then I find out that if you go to the front of the whole thing, there's this thing called the table of contents. I could have actually went to the page number. And then, of course, they said, hey, um, read this. And I'm looking at the notes and I said, oh, a uh, job. He said, no, that, you say that Joe, a dude. Where'd you go to English? That's J-O-B. How do you know what you don't know? And then I found out, because I was cheating, I was writing all the, the verses I liked, and I write down the, the chapter and the verse, and, and write it out so I could have a cheat sheet. And a buddy goes, do you know what a concordance is? A co what? How do you know what you don't know until somebody stops to counsel, to advise, to help you? You won't get it. So if you don't know what to look up on YouTube, you won't find it. How do you know what you don't know? Well, probably you've had a few of those kind of experiences in your own life. How could you have known how to drive a car before someone helped you? Well, I read the book. Yeah, and I'm sure the driving instructor was grabbing the dash because there's more to driving than just reading the book or how about cooking or how about doing laundry you do a load of whites and they all come out pink well I just have one red shirt 
How do you know what you don't know? Somebody's got to help us. You know, you can learn on your own. But how many know that Mr. Consequences kept class is very painful. A lot of trial in there. And it's very expensive in time and in money and even in relationships. Same is true in so many different areas. Specifically, how do you know how to be married if you don't know? How do you know how to be a parent if you don't know? How do you learn how to be an employee, an employer? If you don't know, you've never been there before. See, all the books, all the classrooms, all the YouTube videos, hey, they're helpful. But they're not enough when you get into the real world. You need somebody to help you along. And so again, we've been learning that our direction, not our intentions, determine our destination that's getting from point A to point B. And sometimes we need help. We need a navigator to help us. So, so far we've learned that in this series, that a lot of times there's some mid-course corrections needed. Ever notice that when you drive? You don't just say straight, right? A little this way, a little that way. Stay where the road is. It wouldn't be prudent to ignore the need for course corrections. We need to take refuge to avoid danger. And we need to take counsel from the Lord. And from those counselors he's brought into our lives. We've learned that if you are distant from God, your heart is twisted and a twisted heart will lie to you. Let me say it again, maybe a little bit different. It's when, when you become distant from God that your twisted heart will lead you down a wrong path. And it can be years or decades before you figure out that you've been lost and didn't even know it. Have you ever been lost in a car? Did, before GPS? Do you remember? After a while, you're like going, this does not look right. I don't remember any of these landmarks. Right? So what do you do? Get off, honey. Why is it always get off, honey? How come it can't be get off, deer? Right? So I have to get off. And then I have to go over the overpass. And then I have to get back on the highway. And I got to go back until I go far enough back so I find where I made the wrong turn. And then I make the correct adjustment. And then I'm back on the road again. I may have lost 30, 60 minutes, depending on how bad I got lost. When you get lost in life, and you chose the spiritual wrong turn. You don't lose a couple hours. You lose decades. You can lose a whole season of life. Ask Pastor Rick. When he has to deal with all of these participants, these students there at the ranch. Many of them have lost a whole life. Because they made a bad turn. 
And they never bothered to turn around. It's expensive in time and treasure and in your talent when we're on the wrong direction. Today I want to cover an essential lesson for success when we're along the path. The lesson has to be done, this, this lesson has to do with figuring out what you don't know. How do you do that? How do you discover what you don't know that you don't know so that you avoid the potholes and the landmines and the pitfalls and the cliffs because you never saw them coming? Fortunately, Solomon, the author of the book of Proverbs, um, gave us some good stuff here out of Proverbs chapter 15, verse 22. And it reads, Plans go wrong for lack of advice. Many advisors bring success. So how can you know what you don't know? You seek advice from advisors. Specifically, you seek the right advice from the right advisors. So how do you get good advice along our path? What's the secret to some good counsel? And where do you find it? Proverbs chapter 1, 5. So Solomon's now written this book. He's written it to his sons. And now he's starting off. He, he just lays out the command. He says, boom. Let the wise listen to these proverbs and become wiser. Let those who under, with understanding receive guidance by exploring the meaning in these proverbs and parables. That is powerful. Why? Because Solomon broke all of these proverbs and he knows the results of being on the wrong path. He had so many wives that he could not have anything more than one meal in a day, in a year, with all the wives. In other words, all the wives, if he had a meal with them, he could only, without, let me say it this way. It's kind of a tricky thing. This is one of the reasons why you don't have this many wives. <laughs> He laid out his meal schedule and to have a meal all by himself with just that one wife, he can only do it once a year. How many would say you got too many wives? He's messed up. But then in Proverbs, he told us, you only need the wife of your youth. He figured it out. Wise people listen to counsel and get wiser. Discerning people listen to guidance and they get farther along down the path. So let's look at some of the secrets to getting good counsel. Here's number one. If you're filling out your notes there in your bulletin. Number one, be aware that you will always need good counsel. I don't care if you got purple hair, gray hair, no hair. If you're old, you need counsel. Well, I understand everything, Noah, because I'm, I'm, I'm wise. Really? Did you know the culture changed? Did you know technology came? See, because life is always moving around us and not standing still, your great knowledge of your years is not good enough because the times are changing. The culture is changing. The value system of the culture is dramatically different. I remember the 60s and the 70s. Everybody went to church. Now people come to church once or twice a month and they think they're coming often. And they're not being rude. 
Do you see how culture changes things? So that means we need wisdom and counseling and advising because things are constantly moving. We will always need wisdom. Always. No one gets to a place where they no longer need wise counsel. Number two, seek more than one person's advice in major decisions. Proverbs eleven fourteen says, "Where there is no guide, where there is no guidance, the people fall. But in abundance, counselor, counselors, there is victory." Notice the word Solomon inserts there for counselors in this proverb: in abundance of counselors, not one. There's times when you have to make a big decision. Be careful. Be careful. I am always going into the elders. On big decisions. Why? I may not see everything. I may not have thought of everything. I make phone calls. Why? Wisdom. That kind of prudence. That kind of discernment. Will bring victory. Because it's not about me. And the truth is. When you're making big decisions. It's not about you. It's about your spouse. It's about your family. It's about your community. It's so much bigger than just Three, refuse to let pride keep you from admitting what you don't know. How many remember grandpa or dad or somebody from the past? Man, you couldn't tell them anything. You know what I'm saying? I'm the man of the house. I got this figured out. It says, Proverbs 13, 10. Pride leads to conflict. Those who take advice are wise. I, let's just read that one out loud together. It's short enough. Verse 10. Ready? Begin. Pride, Pride leads to conflict. Those who take advice are wise. Pride may be the number one enemy of the path. <laughs> Do you know it was pride that caused the whole thing in the, in the apple in the garden to happen? I can be just like God. Give me that apple. You see that greed? You see the pride? Unbelievable. Successful people are open to the fact that they don't know everything. And that they need to know what they need to know are quick to go to people who do know. I worked for a pastor when I was a children's pastor many years ago. And uh, Pastor Rick is a great pastor, good guy. But he wasn't the best at everything. At all. And he, he, made, he had no problem admitting that. But he knew how to get the best on his staff. He knew how to find a great college guy. He knew how to find great children, a great youth guy. He found some of the best for praise and worship. He knew how to find the best. And he wasn't intimidated by the best being around him. You know what happened? The church did well. It's the same thing. It's the same thing in any area of your life. There are things that you can't do well. That I can't do well. You don't want me playing that piano. I'm telling you all the cats will be screaming. But what I can do well, 
I do that part. Where I can't do well, I find those who can. Amen? Hey, it says in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15, it says, Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. Again, fools think their own way is right. Um, anybody else resembled that verse? Have you ever been a fool? Because you for sure you were right. Man, if you won't raise your hand, your wife will raise it up for you. <laughs> See, what Solomon is saying is that fools think they, they know it. They have it all figured out. Another way to say that verse would be, the path of a fool sure seems right to them. One of the Bible's most gripping examples of letting pride keep you from admitting what you don't know is the story of a young king named Rehoboam. His story is found in 2 Chronicles. That's before 1st or 2 Corinthians. And Rehoboam here, he, he's now just become king. His dad, King Solomon, his father has died. And the workers are coming to him and saying, Hey, um, you've got too much of a workload on us laborers. We, we need a break. Can you bring this down? And we'll be faithful and loyal to you if you allow that to happen. So... This is where we're picking up. And starting at verse 5, Rehoboam replied, Come back in three days for my answer. That was pretty smart. So the people went away. Then King Rehoboam discussed the matter with the older men who had counseled his father Solomon. What is your advice, he asked. How should I answer these people? The older counselors replied, If you were good to these people and do your best to please them and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your loyal subjects. But Rehoboam rejected the advice of the older men and instead asked the opinion of the young men who had grown up with him and were now his advisors, the boys in the hood. What is your advice? He asked them, how should I answer these people who want me to lighten the burden opposed by my father? The young men replied, this is what you should tell those complainers who want a lighter burden. My little finger is thicker than my father's waist. What does that mean? It means my weakness will be stronger than my father's greatest strength. Yes, my father laid heavy burdens on you, but I'm going to make them even heavier. My father beat you with whips, but I'll beat you with scorpions. Three days later, Jeroboam and all the people returned to hear Rehoboam's decision, just as the king had ordered. But Rehoboam spoke harshly to them, for he rejected the advice of the older counselors and followed the counsel of the younger advisors who told the people, my father laid heavy burden on you, but I'm going to make them even heavier. My father beat you with whips, but I will beat you with scorpions. So the king paid no attention to the people. This turn of events was the will of God, for it fulfilled the Lord's message to Jeroboam, son of Nebat, through the prophet Ahijai from Shiloh. When all Israel re realized what the king had that the king had refused to listen to them, they responded, down with the death dynasty of David. We have no interest in the son of Jesse. Back to your homes, O Israel. Look out for your own house, O David. So all the people of Israel returned home.
But Rehoboam continued to rule over the Israelites who lived in the towns of Judah. King Rehoboam sent Adoniram, who was in charge of forced labor, to restore order. But the people of Israel stoned him to death. When the news reached King Rehoboam, he quickly jumped into an Uber and went to Jerusalem. And to this day, the northern tribes of Israel have refused to be ruled by a descendant of David. So after hearing the request to lighten the load, Rehoboam made three fairly smart decisions. Number one, he asked for more time to make the decision. Give me, give me three days. That was pretty smart. This is good. And number two, the, the second thing he did was he sought advice to make the decision. He chose to listen before he decided. And the third thing he did was listen to many counselors. Not just one and not just one group. But here's where it was all a farce. This is why it's so important for us to understand. You can play like you're doing everything right. You take time to make the decision. You listen to many advisors, many different perspectives. But the truth is, is you've already made up your mind. And you're just going through the motion. You already know exactly what you're going to do. You're just looking for somebody to agree with you. Hello? Did you catch that? That's all Rehoboam was doing. He wasn't looking for advice. He was looking for confirmation. Somebody confirmed what I'm already thinking. Couldn't get it from the older guys who had already been proven to King Solomon. So I'll go with the guys from my neighborhood. And they're saying what I'm already thinking. This is what we'll do. Think about this. The reason he went to two different groups for advice was that the first group wasn't telling him what he wanted to hear. Never mind that these men were older, that these men were experienced, and that they were wiser. Never mind that they had been, were, been there to help his father Solomon, the wisest guy on the planet outside of Jesus. Who gets to be Solomon's advisor? You better be pretty good. Never mind. That they had that they as advisors had already been where he wants to go. It's like the young man who was in jail. He was telling the chaplain that his family had hired a lawyer to get him out of jail. And this lawyer was known to be a very respectable attorney. But this young inmate wasn't sure he wanted to trust this lawyer. And so he was asked, why don't you want to trust this lawyer? The young man responded that the other inmates in his jail block didn't trust that lawyer. He said the other inmates thought he should get somebody else to represent him. And then he said, they, meaning the other inmates, Ought to know because they've been to court plenty of times. Wow. Wait a minute. This young guy is willing to take the advice of convicted criminals. 
who are currently serving time for breaking the law. Simply because they had been to court many times. Why do you think they've been to court many times? Their qualifications were that they broke the law and that they were repeated convicts? Don't walk in the counsel of the wicked. Don't stand in the ways of sinners. Don't sit at the seat of mockers. Don't listen to these people. They'll just get you to do and to think that those thoughts that will literally hurt you and point you in the wrong direction on the path. We all need good counsel, not just any counsel when we face big decisions. Here's number four as we continue on some secrets to getting good counsel. Number four, be willing to take counsel from those who have been where you want to go or where God wants you to go. There's a real difference between the right road and the easy road, folks. The easy road is typically... The ignorant road. It doesn't seek counsel and or ignores the counsel it gets or it seeks counsel only from those who say what they want them to say. I have seen bosses who unless you come in to tell him what he or she wants to hear. You don't have a job. And so that middle management comes in. You know what they do? What's he doing? Oh, so he wants to hear this. All right, let's do it that way. And they say exactly what the boss says. What do you think happens? Collapse. Failure. And now it's time to point at somebody else for that bad advice. A wise person seeks counsel from wise people. They listen to it. They heed it. They walk the path that leads to where God is calling them to go. Imagine for just a minute. What your life would be like if you developed a habit to not make impulsive decisions. If you made a decision refusing to be indecisive. But a person who seeks the counsel of the experienced, the wise, the people who love you enough to tell you what you do not want to hear. What you need to hear. Anybody have that person in your life? Outside of a spouse. Those are friends. Faithful are the wounds. Of a friend. Have you ever been here? Here's a funny one for you guys. Guys, have you ever gone the day and didn't realize that your zipper was down? <laughs> and you think, here's all these buddies of mine and not one of them told me? The real friend walks right up to you and whispers, zip it up. See what I'm saying? Have you ever wondered why some of your plans have failed? Many of our plans fail because they weren't the best plans. Honestly, some of our plans have failed because we ourselves, you yourself, sabotaged them. Look at Samson. He betrayed his Nazarite vow. He betrayed what God had called him to do. 
And in the end, he lost his eyes. He lost his calling. He was supposed to be a judge. And it cost him. It cost him. Sometimes our plans fail because other people sabotage them. Look at Judas. He betrayed Jesus. And not just Jesus, but the other disciples. We live in a fallen world. Where people who are jealous, who are greedy, who are corrupt, will hurt us and try to sabotage us. There's another one. Sometimes God puts a halt to our plans. You're face out. Just ask some guy named Jonah. I know you want me to go to Nineveh, and I'm not going. Jumps out of the boat. Here's a big fish. You see how God stopped his plans? God stopped his plans. So this is the will of the Father, and you will do it. Where are you? Is it other people? Is it God? Is it you? Wise people seek how God wants them to go. Notice that pride is a destructor to dreams. It's humility that allows God to build great things in our lives. How will you be different today because of what you've heard, what you learned? I pray that you will ask God to show you the counselors he's brought into your life. Or how to find the right counselors, the advisors in your life. You know there's some advisors you need to turn your ears off because they act like advisors, but they're not. You need the guidance of the Holy Spirit to show you. Remember that time when Peter confronted Jesus? The first thing he says, who do you say that I am? Well, you're the Christ. He says, hey, I'm going to build my church upon this. You're the rock now. And then a few minutes later, Peter says, for being, no, don't let this happen. I'll stand in front. This can't happen. He says, get behind me, Satan. See, there are times where you have to listen to somebody. And there's other times where you have to say, according to the Holy Spirit, no. Ask yourself honestly, am I prideful? Here's the last one. Follow Jesus. Church, I'm so convicted that it's impossible to live the Christian faith if you're not spending time with Jesus. And if you think every morning I open this up and I read this and I read that, that that's enough. I could get you a newspaper. You're doing the same thing. It's not reading the Bible. It's engaging with the Bible. It's saying, Jesus, show me what you want me to see. Let me hear what you want me to hear. Jesus, change in me. God, I need to be what you want me to be. What do you want me to see today in this world that I'm walking in? If you're not engaged in relationship with God the Father, He can't give you what you need so you can live the Christian life. Show up on Sunday. I'm here for church. It's not enough. It's when I get real with God and I say, this is where I'm weak. God, this is where I struggle. 
This is where I'm angry. This is where I'm offended. Watch how the Lord will move. Because he says, follow me. Walk behind me. Walk the path that I'm walking. Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you for my yoke, I will place upon you. On the road, we will walk together. It's easy. And the burden I give you will seem light. For I am gentle and humble of heart. And as you follow me, you will find rest for your souls. Father, I pray for your people. God, I just pray. Lord, it's one thing to understand that our direction, not our intentions, determine our destination. But Jesus, if we are not, if we're not listening to counsel, we're not listening to advisors brought by you, God, we're destined to make a U-turn and go in the wrong direction. God, help us to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Counsel us to comfort us, the paraclete. Father, I pray, help us to pour our lives into the presence of the Holy Spirit. Not just once in a day, but all day long. That we would learn to pray without ceasing. And you will reveal yourself strong. Bless your people. We pray, Father, your will. We pray, Father, your way on this path, in Jesus' holy name, amen. amen. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.